here this morning. Whether you're a visitor or a member, we're just glad you're here with us. I know that summer's in full swing. It's pretty obvious based upon the weather. I know many of you have also been traveling. We are glad to have you back. My family and I have also been traveling, and we're honored and thankful to be here with you again this morning. I'm excited to preach to you. This morning I have a very simple message. It's not going to be complicated. It's not going to confuse anybody. It's going to be pretty basic. But I hope that you are blessed. I hope that you are challenged. And I hope that you're encouraged as we get into the word of the Lord. As I get into this, let me ask you a question. And you don't have to raise your hand, but is there anyone here who has never been to church before? Again, don't raise your hand. Anyone who is, has never even heard of Jesus or have any idea what we do in this building? Probably not. We all kind of get this Christianity thing. We all sort of know what it's about. But today I want to go back to some fundamentals. Because I think fundamentals are still very, very important. I'm going to ask you to please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, verse 36. Acts 10.36. Luke says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Luke says, you know the message. Now, Christianity is about 2,000 years old. Luke says to people long ago, you know the message. And I think it's especially true for us this morning. You know the message. And the message that was sent to the people of Israel is the same thing that we're going to talk about today. And that's the fact that good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And I want to especially focus in on this last part, who is Lord of all. So this morning, we're going to talk about a very simple, very fundamental message. And that is Jesus is Lord. Now, how many of you want to hear some good news this morning? It's okay. You can raise your hand now. How many of you want to hear some good news this morning? Yes, sir. How many of you want some peace this morning? Well, I got good news for you. Jesus is Lord. And if you focus on that truth, you can have peace. Jesus is Lord. But what does it really mean when we say Jesus is Lord? Because it's a little bit of a foreign concept for us now because we don't have lords anymore. That's unfamiliar to us. We have elected officials. We don't have an ultimate authority figure. We get to vote on stuff. If you don't like a law, you can change it. If there's a court ruling that you don't like, you can appeal it. And that works out OK in our American political system. But sometimes I'm afraid we think that God works the same way. God is altogether different. Jesus is Lord. God is sovereign. And that means whatever he says, well, that's just how it's going to be. You don't get to vote on it. You don't get to appeal it. God says it, and that's the way it works. That's completely different than the way our government operates. But it's not a foreign concept to me because growing up, this system was modeled in my home. 
How many of you know my mom? You know my mom. You don't know my mom, though. You think you know my mom, but you don't know my mom. Many of you have met my mom. She lived with us for a while. My mom, she's a, she's a wonderful lady, sweet, loving, all that stuff is true. But growing up, that woman was scary. She had a very simple system of leadership in the home. Anytime she told me to do something, I always had two choices. The first choice, I could do what she told me to do. No problem. Second choice, I could get a beating and then do what she told me to do. She did not run a democracy. God doesn't run a democracy either. Jesus is Lord. He gets to make the rules. We don't. God is sovereign. That means his power is supreme. It's unmatched. I like this verse in Isaiah. I want you to focus on this for just a little bit with me. I really love the way that the, the, the book of Isaiah has put this. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. Just the very first part of it. It says, heaven, I'm sorry, it says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And I want you to focus on that. Heaven is God's throne, but the earth is his footstool. There's a lot of conflict on this world. A lot of wars were fought, a lot of people trying to gain power, but what they're fighting over is God's footstool. There's a lot of people who are so impressed with this planet. They're so enamored by the, the majesty of different geological formation, mountains and canyons. And, and then there's some people who study microorganisms and they're fascinated with the way DNA and the way life works. But you realize what they're admiring is God's footstool. This planet is so important for life. We can't live if you take us off this planet and put us someplace else. This planet has everything that we need in order to survive. But to God, that's a nice place to put his feet. We serve a mighty God. Amen? amen. I think we really need to embrace this. God is all powerful. His power is beyond our comprehension. And I think if we really understood how powerful he was, it might scare us a little bit. But, you know, I didn't come here to scare you this morning. I came here to share some good news. So let's focus on this. Not only is God powerful, but God is also good. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? God is good. I like this verse in Psalm 34, verse 8, where it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I like that. Taste and see. Now, right now, I want you to think about your favorite dessert. Okay? I want you to think of your favorite dessert. Now, my favorite dessert is apple pie a la mode. Pardon my French, okay? But apple pie a la mode is my favorite. That might not be your favorite, and that's okay. You can be wrong if you want to. But apple pie a la mode is amazing. It's my favorite. But there's one thing about this particular dessert that maybe your dessert has the same, same thing in common. It can look good, but still not be good. You ever had that? Have something that looked right, but it wasn't right? All right, it can even smell good, but still not be good. It looked good and it smelled good, but it still ain't right. You know the texture of that apple pie. It's got to be just right. Okay? 
And so when you're cutting into that apple pie, that texture might right, it might even feel good to you, and it still not be good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. But when that pie is hot, and that scoop of bluebell ice cream is just right, it's nice and cold, and then when you taste it, oh, that's how you know it's good. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And see, some of you, you don't know the Lord is good because you never tasted and seen. You might have heard about him, but you never experienced him for yourself. You might be here this morning. You may come here all the time. And you may worship. You may watch other people go through the motions. But you have never tasted for yourself and seen that the Lord is good. But that's what I encourage you to do this morning. Taste and see. And bless is the one who takes refuge in him. That was just kind of a side note. Now I'm hungry for apple pie. Let me get back to my point. Jesus is Lord. And that means we're not. So what do we do? What's the first thing that we must do when we recognize that Jesus is Lord? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. First Peter 5, 6 says to humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. He says to humble yourself, and that means to submit or to surrender. If Jesus is going to be Lord of your life. You have to submit to him. He makes the rules. You don't. This is a difficult concept for us. Because we say we believe it, but too often I think we don't live like we believe it. Too many people are leaving sound doctrine to follow things that sound good to them. Things that they rather hear rather than what the word actually says. That's not humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. If you're trying to make up your own rules, you're not submitting to his rules. If we don't humble ourselves, how do we expect God to lift us up? This idea of submission is a concept that we must embrace. Jesus is Lord. That means he makes the rules. and We don't. Do you really believe that? I mean, that is the right answer. Of course, you're going to say, yes, I mean, we're in church for crying out loud, right? You're not going to sit up and say, no, I don't believe that. If you're going to do that, you might as well just stay at home. Now, of course, we say we believe it. But let me ask you, as I have to ask myself, do my actions show that I believe it? So now I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. We're going to read it nice and slow. Verse 17 says, honor all people. Pretty simple, right? How many people does all people leave out? Doesn't leave anybody out, does it? If you're quiet now, <laughs> you're going to be real quiet in a minute. 
Honor all people means to honor all people. Very simple. Now let me ask you, that would include people who look differently than you, right? Right? That would also include people who think differently than you, right? Okay, okay. Um, why is it that when I go on social media and I read some of the things that you post, I don't see any of that? You can't slander somebody and honor somebody at the same time. You realize it doesn't work that way. You can't insult someone and honor them at the same time. So, honor all people. Does that include people who voted differently than you? Yeah, I think it does. Let's keep going. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Right? We're good. Fear God, of course. Honor the king. You know where I'm going? Now, some of you are already getting apprehensive. If I didn't have you before, if I'd already lost you then, uh, I know you're completely gone now. So as I approach this, it says, honor the king. Some of you going, oh, don't go there. I know what you're going to say, but don't go there. I'm going to go there. <laughs> honor the king. You say, no, 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 no. This president is not a king. I do not honor him because he doesn't deserve it. I don't agree with it, and I'm not going to do it. If not a king, this does not apply. Okay, I'll back up from that. Okay, okay. It's cool. I understand. Not a king. All right. But what about the start of that verse? Well, it says all people. Didn't we just establish that all people means all people? Y'all quiet now. <laughs> Jesus says in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? So I ask you, when he says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, you going to submit to that or not? I think it's important for us to keep in mind that the word of God that we believe, the word of God that we preach, it doesn't change based upon who's in office. And I encourage you from my own vindication to go back and listen to some sermons about three, four years ago when a different political party was in office. This sermon doesn't change. Jesus is Lord, no matter who's in office. Amen. We got to get a handle on that. Let's keep going. This part right here, coming up in verse 18, I have struggled mightily with this verse. Verse 18 says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are gentle and good, but also to those who are unreasonable. This has been a real struggle lately. Some of you know the struggle I've been having on my job because I've shared it with you. Some of you may not. But this part, man, it's been difficult. 
So often when we preach, we talk about submission, we focus on wives. You wives, you be submissive. But I'm looking at this and I'm going, I'm supposed to be submissive on my job. Even the people who are unreasonable. How many of you ever worked for somebody that was unreasonable? Mm. It's a challenge, isn't it? I get told to do something that makes no sense. Man, I'm feeling some kind of way. But God said to submit, even if they're unreasonable. God says to honor. Well, what if they don't deserve it? You're going to obey God or not? You say, well, I don't want to. You're going to obey God or not? It's like when I tell my daughter Anastasia to eat a vegetable. She said, Daddy, I don't like it. I said, babe, I didn't tell you to like it. I told you to eat it. And you can obey God without liking somebody. You can honor someone without liking them. You can be submissive and respectful even if you don't like them. Now, I'm talking to me. You can hear it, too, but I'm talking to me. Are we going to do what God has called us to do? Submission. There's something powerful about this. Because you wives, you hear submission, and too often it's used in a negative connotation. It's used to beat up on you. But you know, there's something good about submission. With submission comes the relief of responsibility. You see, God has called the husband to be head of the household. It's his responsibility. Now, a lot of you women have filled in that role, but it's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility to make sure the household runs according to how God has commanded it to run. That's the husband's responsibility. And I don't hear none of you men saying amen. It's all right. When I'm on my job and I do what someone tells me to do, when I do what the boss says for me to do, and it goes horribly wrong, like I said it would, <laughs> whose fault is that? It's not my fault. I submitted to him. Now it's his responsibility. So when you submit, you give up power. You give up authority. You give up control. But you also give up responsibility. And there's some blessings associated with that. Now, what's the fear? Because I know what you're thinking. You think the same thing I'm thinking. If I submit, I'm afraid that the person that I'm submitting to, they won't take responsibility. How many times have you ever been sold out by somebody that was in leadership? Don't it make you mad? You told me to do it. I did it. It went bad. And you act like, I don't know why he did that. Man, how many of you want? No, no, I'm not. I'm going to back up from that. If we submit, the fear is this other person won't take responsibility. So not only have I submitted, but then I got sold out anyway. But I want to encourage you with this. When you submit to them because God told you to, you're really submitting to God. And God doesn't sell you out. God doesn't disappoint you. You know, people will let you down. We as humans, we do that. We fail. We let you down. But guess what? Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 says that God's ways are not your ways. God's not like us. Amen. Amen. 
Turn to your neighbor, matter of fact, say, God's not like us. He's not like us. Praise God, he is not like us. It's Jesus' responsibility because he is Lord to fight for you. It's his responsibility to take care of you. In John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So church, he doesn't fail. He gives you eternal life. You will never perish and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Amen. That's good news. He does not fail us. So there's really only a couple things left for us to do. This first one. We must stand. We've got to take a stand. I want you to please look at Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 13. As you're turning there in your Bibles, let me give you a little bit of context, help jog your memory. The Israelites are coming out of captivity in Egypt. God's already dealt 10 plagues on Pharaoh. And by the way, Egypt never recovered from those plagues. Pharaoh said eventually, fine, you people can go. But as they're leaving, he changes his mind and he sends his army after them. And so now the Israelites are in front of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army pursuing them. When they see this, they are afraid and they say it was better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. We pick it up in verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God is commanding his people to stand. Now he's doing the fighting, but he's commanded us to stand. And we read about that in the New Testament when we're talking about the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says to stand firm. How are we supposed to do that? But we take our stand based on the word of God. Amen. If the Bible says it, we say it. We live it and we encourage others to do the same. We take our stand based upon the word of God. What about that unpopular stuff? We take a stand. What about the stuff that's not politically correct? We take a stand. We don't make up new stuff. We don't leave stuff out. We simply do what the Bible tells us to do. We stand on the word of God. We must take a stand. Now, this last point I want to make, about to wrap this sermon up. This, this is my final point that I'm getting to, sort of. Jesus is Lord. God is sovereign. He commands us to submit. He commands us to stand. And while we're doing that, because it is a continual process, not a one-time occurrence, we get to receive the victory that comes with salvation. So we take a stand, but we have to receive salvation. A little bit of a side note. Um, you ever try and give someone a compliment and they don't receive the compliment? You say, oh, Josh, that's a nice shirt. Well, thanks. You know, it's an old shirt, but, you know, I really don't. Man, receive the compliment. Okay? 
receive salvation. God has done all these things to bring us closer to him. This is good. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to have it up here. I'm going to ask you guys if you'll be so kind as to let's read this verse together. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 8. Let's read. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. Is that good news? There's none. And it doesn't matter what you've done. If you're in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. No guilt, no shame, because you're in Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't matter what you've done. You've got to understand that. The blood of Jesus washes away all unrighteousness. So you might have lied, you might have stolen, you might have cheated, you broke the law, but guess what? God's made a new law. And so you're no longer held captive to the old law, but you get to be set free by the new law. This is good news. You must now receive salvation. For some of you, though, that's really not good enough. Now, I know it should be, but honestly, it's not. Because you hear this and you go, yo, that's fine. But my situation seems to be a little bit different. Some of you have been Christians a long time. And it's one thing to be purified of all unrighteousness when you come to Christ because you didn't know the truth of the gospel. And so when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got in this water of baptism, it makes sense that all that stuff would be washed away. But now you've been a Christian a long time. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm still struggling with some things. I still got some sin in my life that I'm, that I'm battling, but I, I just can't seem to shake it. And you feel guilty. You got that voice in your head that's telling you, I don't even know why you call yourself a Christian. If them people knew, they wouldn't want you around them. I mean, you've been a Christian for how long? You, you've been reading this Bible every day and you still struggling with that? You're supposed to know better. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Better yet, you're supposed to be better. And so you know the high price that your salvation costs. And you know what the word says, but you know that you keep failing. And in your heart, you feel guilty. And you got no peace. Maybe some of you. Maybe some of you aren't even in leadership positions. And people come to you to try and get spiritual guidance. But you don't have anybody you can go to. You're supposed to have your act all together. Feel trapped. That guilt eating away at you. I want to encourage you with 1 John chapter 3, 19 through 20. There's so much good stuff in this, by the way. You're going to have to go to it uh, yourself. I don't have this one up here for you, but there's so much good stuff. We're just going to look at 19 and 20. And it says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth 
and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. God is greater than your heart. Your knowledge might be pretty impressive. But God knows everything. God is greater than your heart. What, what, what does that mean, though? That means if your heart condemns you, God doesn't. That means his word has set you free. And even if you don't feel free, guess who's right? God is right because God is greater. And so I want to encourage you, set your hearts at rest in his presence. Know that what the word says is greater than what Satan or someone else might be trying to tell you. Have peace in his presence. So let me go ahead and wrap up this morning. I'm going to say this. This is this is this is the lesson that I want to encourage you with. Jesus is Lord. And that means that even if you don't want him to be Lord. He's still Lord. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. That's authority over Christians and non-Christians. That's authority over believers and non-believers. That's authority over everyone. Even if you choose not to acknowledge him, doesn't change the fact that Jesus is Lord. Philippians chapter 2 can say it way better than I ever could. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2. In verse 9, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So church, Jesus is Lord. You have a choice. You can acknowledge that fact now. Or you can choose not to. But the day is coming when your knee will bow and your tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You get to choose whether or not you want Jesus to be your savior. You don't have to accept Jesus as your savior, but you don't get to choose that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, according to some other versions, that Jesus is Lord. Do it now. Don't wait. If we can help, join us down front while we stand and sing.